Hey everyone, Matt Straub here. Welcome you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is the latter part of July. Things have slowed down since the mania of the NBA Finals, free agency, summer league, the NBA draft. Did I mention that yet? It was a wild stretch. It slowed down a little bit, but we actually still have some significant fantasy news to discuss, or at least something that resembles significant fantasy news for July. Steve Alexander's with me. Steve, let's begin with one Drew Holiday and one David Griffin, who says that Holiday can get himself into the MVP conversation this upcoming season for the Pelicans with Anthony Davis no longer in New Orleans. That sounds completely insane to me, uh, quite a bit of hyperbole, but I do think it's important to take Holiday very seriously in fantasy drafts. Where are you landing on Drew heading into uh, as we get closer and closer to the season? You know, uh, Victor Oladipo was in MVP chatter there for a minute before he got hurt. I don't think it's out of the question that Drew could have a huge year and and at least be in the conversation. Uh, but being in the conversation winning it are two different things. I think with Anthony Davis out of the way, though, uh, Drew has got a chance to step up and really lead this team. Uh, he's coming off a career year pretty much. I mean, he's, he's going to be a really good fantasy player and a really good NBA player. And if if... David Griffin wants to pump his guy up and make him believe he's going to be the MVP. Uh, I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, he averaged last year 21.2 points per game, five rebounds, 7.7 assists, 1.6 steals, 0.8 blocks, and 1.83s. He turned the ball over quite a bit. So if you're playing in a nine-category league, that's a factor. I noted that when Anthony Davis missed nine straight games at one point last season from late January to early February, Holiday posted around 22 points, eight boards, seven assists, a steal, a block, and 1.83s, just rounding out those numbers. So he's super valuable. You know, Mike Gallagher, I believe, he and I were talking about this. He has him around number nine in his personal rankings. That's a little high for me. I don't. But by the way, I hate the number nine spot in draft, Steve. I mean, ballpark, where do you think you're taking Holiday? I mean, I don't want I don't want to pick ninth in my drafts this year, and I feel like that's where I picked last year, and it wasn't fun last year either. And <laughs> I don't really want to take Drew Holiday or Trey Young at number nine. Like that's insane to me. To me, the highest I'll take either of those guys is, is second round. I, I get that point guard's a little thin. Uh, if you mm-hmm. if you wait on point guard, you're going to be hurt later. Uh, but you know, every team has to have a starting point guard, and I don't know that it's as dire as it seems to be right now, but yeah, I don't know. All right, keeping it with David Griffin for a moment, he also said recently that Derek Favors, who's now set to start at center for the Pelicans, it looks like, have a bigger role for them than he did in Utah, is uh, also going to be encouraged to shoot threes this year. (laughs) Favors, we did a mock draft a little while ago, earlier this month, and he went toward the end of the fifth round of a 13-team league. So, like, you know, that's around pick 64. Five is my math right? Yeah, I mean, obviously that's a big jump from where he was last year. Uh, what do you think about Favors heading into this year as a guy who could take a big leap? Are you on board with that idea, or do you think that uh, we might be reading too much into it? Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I mean, I know Favors isn't that old, but when you said Derek Favors is set, you said he was set. I thought you were going to say it's seventy. Um, because sometimes when he plays, he looks like he could be an elder, elderly gentleman. Uh, now last year was different, dude. He looked much better last year. It was a good comeback for him. New lease on life now with New Orleans. Uh, they are going to need him. He can start at either big position. He should be primed for a nice bounce back year. I mean, I think 
if he's sitting there in the sixth round, I'll take him. I don't know that I'm going to reach uh, for Derek Favors. And let me think this through. Yeah, so Derek Favors is, I'm going to tell you, Favors is 28 years old. He's been <laughs> in the league since, hang on, i got to double check this. Oh, 2010. And he was the number 75 player last year, playing just 23 minutes per game. So, I mean, if he gets up to 30, I could see him making a leap toward about 50. So it gets about right. I mean, it makes sense. He's a guy to not forget as we get closer to drafts. A few other names we want to hit here today. Uh, Will Barton was a massive disappointment last year. He had the groin injury, only played 43 games, only averaged 11 and a half points. But let's not forget that the year before that, he was the 52nd ranked player in nine category leagues, averaged nearly 16 points, five boards, four assists, nearly two threes a game, playing 81 games. Nuggets president Tim Connolly was quoted in The Athletic recently saying, I expect him to be more resembling the guy he's been in his first seven years in the NBA. Steve, what do you think about Barton? Are you willing to kind of write off last year as a complete fluke and say, yeah, let's not forget about this guy. He went super late in the mock draft that I just mentioned. Yeah, Barton and Favors kind of flip-flopped uh, last year. Like, Favors bounced back and, and looked pretty decent, and Barton just disappeared and, and didn't do anything. And, of course, he was hurt for a lot of that. So, I mean, it's hard for, for me or anyone to call a guy a bust if, if he was injured all year and, and never really uh, could get healthy. I think I'm kind of with Connolly on Barton. I think he's going to bounce back. I think he's going to have a better year. But I also feel like Denver's super loaded, and Barton's not going to have the same opportunities uh, this year that he's had in the past. So it's probably going to be more of a wash than anything, in my opinion. I think that's fair, but you're also getting him. He went 160th overall in that mock draft we did. So if he is going to fall that far, that's basically a completely free pick. And it's a free pick with a fair amount of upside. So to me, he's a guy to, to very much keep on your radar. I totally get the risks. But Barton has also risen above the kind of weird Denver depth issues before. And even like 2017-18 season when he was 52nd overall, Denver was pretty deep then. And it didn't really make sense that Barton did what he did. But that's kind of what Barton does, if that makes sense. Well, and I totally blew off that part of your question too. I mean, if you can get if you can get Barton at 160 or 140 or even 120, I mean, I I just don't see any risk involved with that. So I agree. I agree. I would take him as high as 120 myself as well. Uh, who is next, Steve? Oh, yes, I'll tell you who is next. Kyle Lowry is next. He had thumb surgery, uh, left thumb surgery. Nothing really serious. It doesn't sound like. Yeah, tendon injury in his left thumb. So. That in and of itself doesn't sound like a big concern. But to me, Lowry, you know, this is kind of a reminder because to me, he's kind of the quintessential or one of the boomer bust picks this year. He's 33 now. We don't necessarily trust him to stay on the floor for 75 or 80 games. But when you look at the way the Raptors team has changed, you know, with Leonard gone, with Danny Green gone, Lowry's numbers could could go up in a big way and this is a guy who was still pretty good last year i'm double checking he was 36th overall in nine category leagues he's a guy who's been a top 15 guy before to me steve he could be a monster on a per game basis are you in or are you out on lowry well i feel like roto world was really high on lowry last year and maybe a little bit too high but he's another guy who was hurt you know from like march all the way to the playoffs uh, his thumb was bothering him. We're getting surgery to fix that now. But he's 33. Fred Van, v- Van Vliet's coming on. 
I don't feel like you're going to want to overinvest in Kyle Lowry this year. I think if you miss out on the first four or five point guard picks or whatever, and you're you're in round four, it's you need a point guard, and Lowry's sitting there. I think you take him for sure. You know, maybe fifth round, but um, Fred Van Vliet's coming on. It's a new look team. I, I mean, Lowry to me is is on the downswing. That's fair. You just actually led me to the next thing I want to ask you, though, because Lowry did go right around where you're talking about in that mock draft we did. He went 52nd overall. Van Vliet went 101st. So to me, you can take Lowry, who may have at least one you know big statistical season left, may also miss a bunch of games or you know, 15, 20 games, let's say, and then you get Van Vliet around pick 100 and you've got your handcuff for Lowry and you have a guy who has some standalone value. Yeah, I think if you're taking Lowry, you need to take Van Vliet. But that's an intriguing combo to me, around 50 and around 100. I don't mind investing in those two guys at all. I don't either. I like it. But I know Mike, uh, I know Gallagher, for example, is not that high on Lowry. And I I understand why. Um, I think he would rather just invest in Van Vliet alone. But I could talk myself into Lowry. Gallagher's not high on any player over the age of 25. (laughs) So, and I know that's coming from a guy who just made fun of old man Derek Favors at 28. But uh, Gallagher likes youth, and he, and especially in drafts, he really focuses on youth. And that, you know, I like that. I I like youth as well. So, uh, but, you know, I'm also not afraid to draft LeBron or an old guy if I, if I feel like, I'm getting right. him at the right spot. Gallagher, so. um, having talked to him in the age of uh, in the age of load management, he is going fully the other direction, and it seems very focused on drafting guys who are just you know super. Uh, not that there are any sure bets to play 75 games, but he is on a mission for that. <laughs> and the hard thing about that is you got to be careful not to be a year too early or yep. two years too early, and it's real easy to do that because it's super fun to draft youth, but. You know, it's easy to, to get them too early. And also along that, that load management line, is anybody going to play for Team USA this year? Dude. <laughs> Have you noticed all the all the guys that are saying no? Yes, this has been a separate conversation among me and some friends. It's insane. Yes. It's getting it very, is crazy. It's getting very thin. Dude, yeah. I think you might have a shave. If you put on that sweet John Collins jersey uh, <laughs> that you wore to when we had lunch at the Super Bowl, I think you might have a chance to play for Team USA. <laughs> oh, man. It, it's uh, it's not great. It's not great. Uh, okay. We'll keep moving. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, well, it's funny because we have one more name to talk about. He also happens to be 28 years old. Uh, John Wall, out for the year, it looks like, recovering from his torn Achilles. The thing about this is, Steve, we kind of got our trial run with this already. So people were drafting Bradley Beal, already expecting Wall to be out basically most or all of the year. So I don't know if this really changes anything. I guess I'll ask you this about Beal. We talked about Holiday as a guy you might have to take in a top 10 to get him or close to the top 10, top 12. How do you feel about Beal if you're picking toward the end of that first round as the kind of foundational piece for your fantasy roster? Do you feel great about that, or do you feel a little concerned? I feel pretty good about it. I mean, I think if, if I get that ninth pick or that eighth pick or that tenth pick and I get Brad Beal out of that spot, I'm I'm pretty happy. Feeling pretty good about it. His leg injury, leg issues haven't really creeped up recently, and he, he should have just a monster season. And then along those same lines, I think Ish Smith and Isaiah Thomas, one of those two, is going to have to really step up with Wall out. So 
you get Beal at say nine or ten, you get Ish at seventy five, and you get Isaiah at eighty five. Good to go, man. Man, you're a big, <laughs> you're a known Ish Smith guy, though. You, <laughs> speaking of jerseys, you should really look into investing in an Ish Smith jersey. That's your guy right there. I don't know if he's my guy anymore, though. And I, I mean, I I think the Wizards are going to miss uh, Sadoransky here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like Sadoransky this year. I think uh, I think he's got a chance to hold the starting job for a while this year uh, for the Bulls. So then it comes. I think it's going to come down to Smith and, and Isaiah Thomas, and uh, you know if Thomas can get healthy and, and bounce back and prove he's ready to go, that would be an incredible story. I, I would root pretty hard to see that happen. But um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to invest a very high pick into either Smith or Thomas, but. Once the solid point guards are off the off the board, those are your guys. Yeah, that's true. Thomas is a name to remember in a big way. And circling back to Beal quickly, he ended up 14th overall uh, for the season last year in nine category leagues, and that was you know with Wall on the court for a significant part of the season. So Beal does legitimately have top 10 potential in the mock draft. I've mentioned a few times. I had the nine pick, as I said. I took. I don't know if I said that, but I did. I took Embiid. I you know Ooh. I don't feel great about it i know why i did it um i've explained why i did it but i think beal would be the other guy i would strongly consider there at number nine uh all things considered well in the the era of load management i know uh, that mb is is <laughs> interesting at nine yes uh, to me beal beal just seems like the perfect ninth pick yeah i agree i think I mean, my logic was I still think if Beal is your best player and there are people in your league who have Harden and Curry and Towns, et cetera, and Anthony Davis is their best player, you're just at such a big disadvantage. To me, Embiid on a per-game basis can contend with the the heavyweights. You know what I mean? you're right. So that's why I did it. I still hate picking ninth, and I'll keep saying that until, uh, <laughs> until I don't know, for a very long time. Uh, that about does it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review the show as well. Steve, do you have anything to add? you like to kind of get in a final comment before we leave sometimes? <laughs> I don't know that if, if I have a final comment right now. This is the bane of the slowest news cycle of our year yeah. Uh, we're right in the middle of it. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, I'm watching the Braves game. He just tripped uh, over his shoelace as our catcher threw the ball back to him on the pitcher's mound and fell down backwards as the ball uh, came to him. And it was hilarious. Everybody laughed pretty hard. Dog days of summer in a, in a nutshell right there. That's all I've got, man. <laughs> all right, that's it for us. We will talk to you soon. Steve, thanks for taking the time in. See ya. Bye.